We thank you for the name of Jesus. We thank you, Father, for the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Chris, if you could keep playing with that for just a minute. You know, just uh, in fact, this afternoon, just meditating on the Word of God. This thing about Isaiah 53, and of course, we know um, we know these verses, but I want to read verses four and five here, just real quick. It says, "Surely," and I'm going to read it in the King James version. Surely He hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows; yet we did, it did esteem Him stricken and smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Of course, we have studied this passage many times. Uh, but just something the Lord just prompted me, and, and uh, of course we know this, but sometimes you know, he'll give you uh, a revelation or, or uh, an unction about a particular verse. And, it, and about verse four, where it says that he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, and that's really not a very good translation. It's King James, you know, and um, even some of the modern translations, they were hesitant to translate this correctly because uh, in their opinion, it would, it would uh, uh, play right into those who believe in divine health. <clears throat> and so they were unwilling to translate it correctly. But the word uh, griefs there really means sickness and diseases. So he has borne our sickness and diseases. And of course, you can go over to Matthew 8, 17 and see uh, the New Testament translation of that and it, it, it correctly brings out infirmities and, and sicknesses uh, in Matthew 8, 17. But it says our griefs, which is our sicknesses and diseases, and carry our sorrows. Well, that word sorrows there really should have been translated pains. And just with meditating on that, the Lord just prompted me that if he carried our pains, not only do we have a right to be free from disease, but we have a right to be free from just pain, just agony and pain. And, um, you know, a, a lot of times left to its natural devices, as our bodies get older, uh, they will experience joint pain, muscle pains, just, just generic pains of some kind. And oftentimes we just live with those things. But the Bible says that he came to bear these, to carry this, to carry our pains. And so... We have a right to, uh, according to his promises, says, surely he hath borne these things. Surely he has carried our pains. If he's carried them, then there's no need or value in me carrying them. Amen. And so I'd like to pray for, for anybody today that, ha that is dealing with any pains. And it may not be to, due to any sickness or disease. I mean, if it is, it's still, it's still covered under the blood of Jesus. But uh, we don't have to live in pains. Amen. We're not required to. We have a promise that says that he's carried these things. And so we can live free from this. Amen. And so if, there, if you're dealing with any pain in your body, if you'd like us to pray for you, lay hands on you. Amen. We're going to believe what the word says. And if he says, surely he carried these things, then we're going to believe that surely he carried them and I don't have to carry them. So if you come ahead, we'll pray for you. Amen. Pray for any pains. <clears throat> Father, we thank you. For the wonderful name of Jesus. Father, you, you prophesied thousands of years ago that he would carry our pains. And so, Father, if he carried them, we are not required to carry them. We can live free from not only 
debilitating disease, Father, but also from any pains. All, all pains and agonies, Father, all diseases are here to hinder our ability to complete the work of God. So, Father, we have a right and a privilege based on your prophecy. Surely you have done these things. And if you, if you said that surely you've done these things, then we believe that surely you have carried our pains. And so, Father, we thank you. We believe that we have a right to live free from pain of any kind in the name of Jesus. So, Father, we thank you for a life free from pain in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Father. This body, Lord, is strong and healthy. Until the day you call her home, Father, she will be strong and healthy, free from pains. Every joint, Father, operating exactly as it's supposed to, Father. Every muscle operating free from pain. Strong and healthy, Father. And we thank you, Father. The days are ahead to be strong, free from pain. Wake up, Father. No pain. To walk around, Father. No pain. To bend over and lift up, Father, with no pain. To move freely, Father, free from pain and agony. We declare it to be so because you said, surely you've done these things. Surely every pain in this body was carried by the Lord Jesus to the cross. So, Father, we thank you for complete and total healing in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for a body called to complete the work of God. And Lord, I thank you that every joint in this body operates freely. Every finger, Father, every toe, every knee, every elbow, Father, operates exactly as it's supposed to, free from sickness and disease, Father. No pain in the feet, no pain in the legs, in the name of Jesus. Free, Father. Free to move about according to your plan, according to your will, to do that which you've called her to do. Free from pain, Father. We're not required to suffer in silence. We're not required to suffer, Father, to accomplish your will. We can accomplish your will free from every pain. Surely you have borne it, Father. Surely you have carried every pain. We believe it to be so, Father. Your word declares it to be so. And so, Father, it is so. We thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, Father. Free from pain. We thank you for that, Father. In Jesus' name. thank you for your word that's so Father we choose to believe that it's so and Lord we'll never declare and nullify your word by, by declaring that as we get older you just have to suffer Father there's nothing in your word that promises this there's nothing in your word that says we must do that the world says that Father medical industry says that but your word says surely you've borne these things and it didn't say surely you've borne them for the young at heart surely you've only bore them for those who are under a certain age if you bore them father then they belong to us all the days of our life so father we thank you for that we thank you father for the promise of your word we believe it to be so, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. The Lord is good. Amen. Amen. We appreciate His goodness. And um, 
You know, we should actually, as believers, we should actually believe the word every now and then, shouldn't we? Amen. I mean, we are, we are designed to believe. And, um, you know, the, uh, much of the world and much of the church will tell you, well, you know, just as you get older. I've had people tell me that. Uh, well, you know, you just wait till you're my age. <laughs> like, like there would be, they would be happy if I was in a wheelchair, you know. See, I told you. <clears throat> well, that's, I'm not sure you should have joy for somebody else suffering, amen? But they're suffering, and so, you know, of course, misery loves company. And oftentimes, if they're in misery, uh, <clears throat> uh, they want other people to be in misery, I suppose. I don't know. Um, you should think they'd be happy if you were he healthy and whole. And, and, um, <clears throat> and so... Anyway, the Lord is good, so Amen. praise God. Well, let's, uh, let's see. Um, let's open up our Bibles. Where are we going to go today? Let's open up our Bibles to uh, Acts chapter 3. We had talked about that some last week, um, but there's a few more notes about that um, that we want to discuss about Acts chapter 3. <clears throat> and so we are we're getting close to finish uh, the book with uh, Dr. Yeoman's book here, and um, we've got... Uh, another book uh, ready to go that um, uh, it's as I've said oftentimes that uh, it was on my heart to to pick out some of the the fundamental books that uh, the church has used in the area of divine healing uh, in the doctrine and see you know what those books say and um, we're not required to believe everything they say because uh, oftentimes uh, they will say things that well you know uh, God will heal every time. <clears throat> and there seems to be a need for some sickness and disease in the church to, to assist us. In fact, I was reading somebody just the other day. They were talking about Paul's thorn in the flesh. And we've studied, how many times have we studied Paul's thorn in the flesh, right? <clears throat> and we know, you go through scripture, that phrase thorn in the flesh, you know, that's found in the old covenant. Amen. You go back to the old Testament, look up the phrase, you know, we got computers nowadays, you type in thorn in the flesh or thorn or flesh, something like that. And you can find every reference it talks about. And every time it talks about that phrase, it always has the same connotation that it's talking about people. If you don't obey the Lord, he will send your enemy into your camp and they will be a thorn in your flesh. <clears throat> he used that phrase. Well, you think Paul being a Jew, that he'd ever heard that phrase before? Well, sure he did, right? So he knew that to be a phrase that was talking about people being annoying. You ever had people be annoying in your life? What do you think about them? Thorn in the flesh. I mean, just... just you know, nobody dies from a thorn in the flesh, but it's just really irritating, right? I mean, you, gotta, you, you ever had a, like a, a splinter in your finger? Nothing else, you can do nothing else until you get that out, right? I mean, you can't, it's like your whole world will, will revolve around that. And, and uh, it was always my job. I was the medic in our family for the most time. And, and you know, uh, I remember especially like Anne Marie, she had a, a, a splinter in her finger, you know? And when I was growing up, you know, the way they did it, they just duct taped you down and just jerked it out. You know, it didn't matter. You know, just pulled it out. <clears throat> and so, <clears throat> you know, I was going to be a little bit nicer to her than that. Uh, tweezers, you know, and all these things. And I didn't, even, I didn't even touch her. She screamed like I'd just, you know, shot her or something. And <clears throat> it's like, you know, scream in a minute. Right? Scream actually, you know, but just in her mind, you know, she was very old at that time. Uh, I mean, it was, it was like three or four weeks ago, but... Uh, <clears throat> but um, <laughs> But in her mind, the, the, the thoughts of it occurring, it was, was too much for her to bear, right? And so, but that's what Paul said, a thorn in the flesh, right? In fact, you know, we're talking about it. We'll come back to Acts chapter 3 here in just a minute. Let's turn over to 2 Corinthians. Uh, we'll just read uh, what it says there, 2 Corinthians chapter, uh, was it chapter 5. Mm. We'll find it here. It's either chapter 5 or 
Maybe it's chapter 12 there. <clears throat> um, well, let's see. I'm in 1 Corinthians, right? It can't be in 1 Corinthians. I know that there. All right. <clears throat> um, there we go. Yeah, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. So 2 Corinthians chapter 12, <clears throat> it says in verse 7, Lest I should be exalted above measure, through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of who? Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for me, for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Uh, and so, um, <clears throat> Paul is saying here, uh, in these verses, lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelation that was given to me, a thorn in the flesh. So, a thorn in the flesh was given to him. Now, now, what messenger was this thorn in the flesh? Messenger of Satan. Is God in the habit of using Satan uh, to help him in, in the assistance of his people on the earth? Hey, they, hey, hey uh, devil, uh, they need some help over there. Go help them. Does he ever do that? You ever go and say, you know, uh, uh, they're doing, I mean, Paul was doing fine, right? He, he, wasn't, he wasn't in sin. It wasn't, you know, that, that he was in sin, and so a messenger of Satan, Satan was given to him. He, he was doing fine. He had an abundance of revelation. Well, how do you get revelation? Prayer and spending time with the Lord. So he'd been spending time with the Lord to obtain revelation. In fact, the revelation, the majority of his revelation, the majority of his writings in the New Covenant came by revelation. It didn't come by his intellect. didn't come by his knowledge of the Jewish history and the Jewish scriptures. It came by supernatural revelation of the Holy Ghost. That the Holy Ghost specifically went down to him and gave him revelation, which is revelation is revealed knowledge. Knowledge that he would not obtain or have on his own. That he had got... You, you ever just been, uh, been, been sitting there and just all of a sudden you, 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 you knew the answer to something that you've been trying to figure out? It wasn't because you figured it out. It just came. You just had that knowledge. That's revelation. And we have words for it. We call it a eureka moment, right? A, an epiphany. We call it, you know, well, I, I see it. I mean, people say, I see it. Well, well it wasn't, you didn't learn it. You saw it, right? It became as a revelation to you. <clears throat> and so Paul had an abundance of revelation. Two-thirds of the New Testament doctrine was established by Paul. The, the vast majority of solid doctrine came from Paul. Good, just, you know, Ephesians and Romans and Hebrews and, and, and all the other books that Paul wrote. Amazing revelation. <clears throat> and, and the church is established on his revelation for the most part. We're thankful for Jude and John and James and some of the other folks there, but the, but the majority of revelation for the Christian church came from Paul. And so uh, it says that there was given to him. Well, who, who gave it to him? Who gave him this messenger of Satan? See, people say God did it, that it was sickness and disease. They pull out scriptures from Galatians and said that he had some kind of eye disease, and, and, and they just make it up because it never says he had an eye disease. It, it said one time, I think it was in, in the book of Galatians, it said that you, you all would pluck your very eyes out for me. Okay, that's kind of graphic, but that's just an, that's just an idiom means you do anything for me. You know, people say, I'd give, you, I'd give my, the shirt off my back for you. 
Well, I mean, I would do that, but I'm really not going to take my shirt off and give it to you right now. I mean, it, I mean, if you really wanted it, you know, I'd go down to, we can go down to Goodwill, I'll buy you a shirt. I'm, I mean, I'd say that, I'd give you my shirt off my back, but I'm not actually, I wouldn't actually do that. I mean, it's just, it's a saying, right? It's a phrase, it's, an, it's called an idiom. It just means that I would do anything to help you. And that's all he was saying was, you know, people say, well, see, because besides that, what if they could do that? Here, here's my eyeball. What's he going to do with that? He's not going to, he's like, well, let me pop it in my eyeball and, you know, replace. <clears throat> so, so because he said that, well, he had eye disease. And, and then they go over, I think, in one of the verses says, see what, what, uh, uh, what a large letter I've written to you. And they said, see, he couldn't even see, so he had to write him in large letters. <laughs> like, you know, it could have, it was really talking about the length of the letter, right? I mean, anybody written you a letter and, it, and it's six chapters long, like, the, like Galatians? I mean, it'd be like, uh, there's a phrase, it's TLDR. Anybody know what TLDR means? Right? It's, it's, uh, it's uh, uh, internet speak for it's too long, I didn't read it, right? <laughs> People send you a text message, right? And you have to scroll, it's like, I'm not reading all that, you know. I just, uh, did you get my text? Yeah. Uh, well, did you do it? I said, I, it was too long. I, I just, it was too long. <laughs> it would have taken me like a minute to read it. It's too long. I didn't, I didn't read it. Too TLDR. Well, <clears throat> so that's what he wrote to the Galatian church, right? A, a long letter. But, but see, it says here that uh, lest I should be exalted above measure. Now, uh, how many times, of course, Jesus said it and, and James said it, right? They both said the same thing, that uh, if you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, he will what? Exalt you when? In due season, right? We know that verse, right? We all know that verse. Uh, and Jesus said, you know, if you, uh, if you exalt yourself, you'll be abased. But if you, if you abase yourself or humble yourself, you will be what? You'll be exalted, right? And so Jesus, Jesus said you'll be exalted, right? James said you'll be exalted. <clears throat> well, then is God, is God opposed to people being exalted? Well, what does it mean to be exalted? I mean, does it mean that you'll be uh, deified, you'll, you'll, that we'll worship you, that we'll come down and bow down before you? No, it just means that you'll be elevated and be seen and, and, and be visible to the body of Christ. <clears throat> you know, that's what, if you're in a crowd and you're trying to find somebody, you know, when we, when we go on vacations or something, <clears throat> we're in a, you know, you go down to Disney World or something with, with 100,000 of your closest friends, you know, and, and there's people everywhere. So I'm glad that, that my son-in-law is, is six foot three inches tall because I'm looking for him. I'm not looking for, for my wife. She's, she's going to be below everybody, right? So, I mean, there's, there's, she, she will not be seen. But I can see him because he's exalted. He's higher than everybody else, not in a, in, a, in a sense of being more valuable than somebody else, but he is seen. And so uh, has, has the world seen the writings of Paul? Do, does the world know the name, the Apostle Paul? Even the devils, remember Acts chapter 19? Paul I know. And Jesus, I know, who are you? So Paul was exalted. He was exalted because of the revelation that he obtained by being humble. Do prideful people get a lot of revelation? They get a lot of revelation that they're somebody important, but that's not really a correct revelation. Uh, do, do prideful people get a lot of blessings from the Lord? No, humble people get a lot of blessings from the Lord. And so Paul received his revelation because he was a humble servant of the Lord. So he was doing what the Lord said, that if you humble yourself, under the mighty hand of God, he will what? Exalt you in due season. We don't worship Paul. Anybody ever worship Paul? Oh, Paul, we pray to you. Did anybody pray to Paul? I mean, some Catholics might pray to Paul. They pray to everybody, you know, but 
but uh, <clears throat> uh, we don't pray to Paul, right? He, he, didn't, uh, he didn't die for me. He didn't shed any blood for me. But he did obtain revelation on my behalf to, to help me. Amen. Uh, and so, <clears throat> so uh, who's got the most to gain by keeping Paul hidden from the world? Keeping Paul hidden and keeping Paul's revelation hidden from the rest of the church. Who, who's got the most to gain from that? Well, the devil does. Amen. If the word ever got out that we are redeemed, really? If the word ever got out that Jesus, that we are the righteous of God in Christ Jesus, which Paul wrote to us that we are the righteous of God in Christ Jesus, uh, if, if that word ever got out to people that, you know, you're actually righteous. Paul, uh, if the word ever got out that, that while you were enemies, Christ died for you and reconciled you to God. If that word ever got out to the whole world, the world would be changed. If the world would hear that and, and see that, then they'd be changed. So, so who's got the most to gain from keeping Paul hidden and making sure that all these letters, you know, you think about a letter. Where, where's the letter that you got when you was 12? Do you have any idea where it's at? No, you have no idea where it's at. How in the world did these letters written to churches survive thousands of years and make it to us today? These were just letters Paul wrote on, on scrolls and, and, and parchment and then shipped, you know, by boat or by, by courier, by land. There was no post office. You know, you had to give it to, to, to Bob or not this Bob, but uh, just, you know, I used to say Bob, Fred, and Joe, but we got a Bob and a Fred and, and sometimes a Joe. And so you have to be careful about who you say now, but, but they just gave it to some guy, right? And, and, and go carry this and spend three months taking this up to the churches in Galatia and, and make sure they get it. And then they get it and then make sure you don't lose it. Well, anybody ever been to the church of Galatia? There's no church of Galatia today, right? There's several churches, right? Because it was a region. Uh, what about the church of Philippi? Does that, is that church, do they have a pastor? You go to, hey, where's that letter Paul wrote to you? I, it, I have no idea, right? It's not on anybody's shelf. In fact, we don't have any of the original documents ever. We, all we've ever had is copies of all these things. Uh, and somehow these made it to us all these years because God needed to exalt these words that Paul obtained through supernatural revelation on our behalf. And, and so <clears throat> it was given to him. Uh, not, it wasn't given to him by the Lord. And, I, and just the other day, I, I was reading after a minister, and they said, well, it was a messenger of Satan, but, but God, God allowed this to happen. God gave this to him to keep him from being exalted. Now, it wasn't sickness and disease. It was just people and, and, and being persecuted. So, the, so they had part of it right, but they said that God did not want Paul to be exalted. And yet God told us, if we do what he says, we will be exalted. Didn't he say that? At least twice, amen, out of mouth of two, three witnesses, let it everywhere be established. Now, do we pursue being exalted? I want to be seen, I want everybody to know my name. No, that's, that's foolishness, right? Because a humble person would never desire that, amen? I want to be known by everybody. <clears throat> and so, uh, Paul, Paul was not desiring of that, amen? You, you can tell because of, of the experience in his life that the Lord chose to grant unto him this revelation. Uh, all of these revelations that he gave to us. Uh, and so even though they had part of the doctrine correct that, well, yeah, it wasn't sickness and disease, thorn in the flesh just means people are going to persecute you. And well, is God sending us persecution? Is God going to persecute you? I mean, if God sent the messenger of Satan, then God is essentially persecuting you. Well, is God persecuting us at the same time as telling us to go on all? God's not persecuting me. The devil's persecuting me. Uh, people are persecuting me. <clears throat> so, you know, I, I just don't understand why that is because 
literally the word of God says that, that he desires for us to be exalted, that, that what he desires is that the revelation that he gives to us is seen by all men. And the, and the desire that the Lord had for Paul the apostle is that the revelation he gave to Paul would be seen by all men. That's Paul being exalted. We know the Apostle Paul. We're thankful for the Apostle Paul. And in that, he's exalted. What about the, the Apostle, uh, the Apostle, um, well, uh, uh, Barnabas was an Apostle. <clears throat> we got any writings from Barnabas? We got any, you know, first book of Barnabas? No, well, why not? Well, Barnabas and Paul had a fallen out. They got upset and Barnabas didn't want to yield to Paul, who was the senior minister, and went his own way <clears throat> there in Acts, uh, Acts chapter 15 or so. And that's the last you ever heard of Barnabas. He was not exalted. Why? Because he chose to walk in the flesh. He chose to do what he wanted to do. And I'm not mad at Barnabas. And when I see him in heaven, I hope he doesn't get upset at me uh, for telling that. But uh, he was gone. Never heard from again. Amen. The rest of the book of Acts, gone. In fact, the whole rest of the book of Acts after Barnabas was all about Paul. Uh, before it was about Peter and James and John and some of the other events that occurred, but once uh, Paul came on the scene and once Barnabas left, the whole rest of the book of Acts, is, it was about exalting Paul in the things that he did. And so, I don't, I don't, know, I don't understand why, uh, you know, if the Word of God says that you'll be exalted in due season, then, then, then we should be fine with that, in the sense that, well, that's what it says. If that's what it says, then are we okay with it? Are we okay that the Lord says that He wants to exalt you? I mean, we have to be okay with it because he said that. Is that something we pursue? You shouldn't pursue that because that would be, you're going to get into pride really quick and then you're going to end up being uh, unknown, right? <clears throat> if you get pride, you'll be unknown by the Lord and unknown by the people of God. But if you stay in your place where you're supposed to be as a humble servant of the Lord, he will exalt you. He will make you seen of men. Uh, you know, pe people talk about <clears throat> Brother Hagin now, you know, Brother Hagin was, was uh, in the ministry for 70 years or so before he passed away. Uh, for the first 40 years or so, 30 to 40 years, nobody knew Brother Hagin. He would go preach at churches our size. He'd preach at churches bigger than our, our church. But for the most part, he just would travel from small church to small church around the country. And he was part of a denomination. And, you know, they, they would have kind of certain people and, uh, come once a year and you know he would go to but he would hold two three week services and have some spectacular meetings but but you know for the most part he wasn't well known he was well known kind of in those circles but you know the world didn't know him and the church didn't know him as a whole and then the Lord had had some changes to make in his ministry and even when he was he'd been in ministry for 30 years he didn't have a secretary didn't have staff didn't have people to help him put books together or ship things out he did it all himself in his living room, didn't have an office, didn't have a secretary, didn't have people to do things. He did it all himself. But then later on, he started the Rainbow Bible Training Center and became world known. I mean, his books, he sold hundreds of millions of books uh, all around the world. Hundreds of millions of copies of books and tapes all around the world. And people would go to him just amazed, brother, where'd you come from, Brother Hagin? We knew you when you was preaching at these little churches and, and nobody heard of you. And now everybody knows you. Well, that's exactly what happened with Paul. You know, uh, if you go through the history of Paul, it says for many years he was in the wilderness just praying and, and seeking the Lord, getting revelation. Nobody knew he was there. You know, we knew about him in Acts chapter 9, but from Acts chapter 9, there's, you know, we don't know all the exact timeline, but somewhere between Acts chapter 9 and Acts chapter 13, he was just off 
for years by himself getting revelation from, from the Lord. Nobody knew him. Nobody heard of him. He wasn't writing any letters. He wasn't uh, praying for the sick. He wasn't uh, being used of God with special miracles by the hands of Paul. Just uh, <clears throat> Again, can you get into big trouble if you start pursuing being exalted? Sure, because Jesus said, if you exalt yourself, you will be uh, abased, right? You, uh, so if you're trying to exalt yourself, it's not going to be good for you. But if you just do what the Lord says, he will take care of that because he, need, he needs people that, that, will, that will press into his revelation and get information from heaven and from the Spirit of God to disseminate to the body of Christ. He needs people to do that. Everybody's not willing to do that. Everybody's not willing to pay that price. Paul was willing to pay that, pay that price, and the Lord said, okay, then, then I can use you. Some people, you know, they want to be seen, and you hear what they have to say. It's like, well, that's, that's really not even that good. I mean, who are you? You know, some people that, that, that are exalting themselves. And oftentimes, people like that, what you'll find is the way they exalt themselves is come up with some crazy doctrine, like, like the, the, the doctrine of, uh, of extreme grace. Just live however you want to. God doesn't care. All your sins are forgiven. You do whatever you want to. God, doesn't, He doesn't care at all. Well, you know, who's going to go to those meetings? Everybody who likes to sin. Well, and then the meetings are packed. Well, then what's that tell you? Everybody in that likes to sin, right? Hey, come to our, come to our meeting. You know, you sin, you, it's okay, God. He doesn't care. Does he care that you sin? Absolutely, he cares that you sin. Does he, uh, does he want you to sin? No, he doesn't want you to sin. Will he forgive you? He will forgive you, but it doesn't give you the right, the privilege and the, and the, and, and the motivation to sin. You shouldn't be sinning. You should try to minimize that. You should get to zero sin. You know, it's okay to be a Christian who never sins. Amen. And so I, I just thought it was interesting that, that uh, somebody I'd, I'd read after for years said, well, you know, uh, the, Lord, the Lord wanted this to happen. The Lord wanted Paul to have a thorn in the flesh because he didn't want him to be exalted above measure. And yet, who do we read after most of the time when we read the New Testament? The Apostle Paul. I think he's been exalted, you know, above measure. And all that just means is above the measure of, of his peers and, and the people around him at that point in time. Uh, and I think he achieved that in spite of the devil trying to hinder that. The devil was trying to hinder. We don't want, we don't, we don't want this revelation getting out. We don't want anybody to know what Paul is, was, is finding out from heaven. It, it's going to ruin everybody. <clears throat> and you think about great men of God like Brother Hagin and, and, and uh, Kenneth Copeland and Oral Roberts, uh, you know, the uh, churches were telling Brother Hagin, hey, can you talk to, to Brother Oral? Can you have him quit telling everybody that God is good? Because that's ruining everything. Uh, and, and we're like, why, why don't you want him telling the church that God is good? Because if people believe that, they'll think that God is good, and we can't have that. We want people to fear God so that they'll stay in line and not do, not do things that are wrong. If, if, if you think God is good, then you just go and sin all you want to. Is, is that really the way most people think? Oh, God's good, therefore I can go sin. Is that, I mean, now I'm sure some people are that way, but most people, when I think of God as good, I think, well, then he's worthy for me to worship him. He's worthy for me to serve him. If he's good, then he's worthy for me to give up my life for him and do whatever he wants me to do for him. That's when I think of God as good, that, that, makes, that motivates me to want to serve him more as opposed to serving him less. Well, we don't want, well, if you think God is good, you're going to live however you want to. If, if your goal is to live however you want to 
and sin all you want to, you might want to check up on your, on your Christianity card to see if you're actually born again. You say, well, did I confess him as Lord? I mean, it's said right here, sign if you confess him as Lord, and my card's blank. Maybe you're not ever actually accepted the Lord Jesus. You know, that's between you and the Lord, I know. But I don't think most Christians are trying to do that. I don't think most Christians are trying to get away with that. But see, uh, 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 and it was multiple pastors. It wasn't just one, multiple pastors. Hey, you got to get Brother Oral quit. God is good. Good. They're going to get the wrong impression of God that he might actually be good. And yet the Lord said the Lord is good and what? His mercy endureth forever. Multiple times in the Word of God, the Bible literally says the Lord is good. Well, if the Bible says the Lord is good, what should we say? The Lord is good. You know, this is not rocket science, right? There's not, there's not really all that hard. And yet, even here, yes, see, God didn't want Paul to be exalted. God 100% wanted Paul to be. He needed Paul to be exalted. He needed this word to get out. Because, you know, if I wrote a letter to somebody, it'd be like, who is this? Who are you? Paul wrote a letter to somebody. It's Paul. It's Paul. And he, even after Acts chapter 9, when he got saved, first church he went to, uh, uh, oh, oh, hi, because uh, you know, they didn't have the internet, right? You, can't, you couldn't do a background check anybody, but he'd show up and go, hey, what's your name? Glad to have you here today. My name's Paul. Actually, he'd say, he, at that time, he'd say, my name is Saul. Oh, Saul, Saul what? I know some Saul. Saul, Saul of, Saul of what? Saul of, you're mumbling, son. What are you saying? Saul of Tarsus. Oh, you mean that Saul that's persecuted the church? You know, uh, we're not really comfortable you being here, right? See, people knew his name in a negative way, but eventually they knew his name in a positive way. Uh, and so, you know, number one, don't, don't, don't pursue being exalted. Amen. The, he's, the Lord said, if you'll do right, I will exalt you in due season, right? So if you're pursuing that, you're pursuing the wrong motivation. It's the wrong thing. But if you'll pursue the Lord, he'll take care of it in due season, right? Some people, they, they, they never want to go through the due season part. They want to just, well, I, I, you know, a lot of people want to be seen. A lot of musicians, for whatever reason, you know, especially singers, I want my name to be known. Really, that's your goal? You, people to know your name? I mean... I want the devil to know my name, but, you know, for Joe Bloat over there to know my name, well, who cares, right? Oh, I know you. Wow, that, that, makes, that makes me really, really important that you know my name. <clears throat> Amen? And so, anyway, it was just, uh, uh, let's stick with the word. Let's, let's read the word and read it correctly instead of jumping to conclusions. Well, I've got a, I've got a thorn on the flesh. It, it's sickness and disease, you know, uh, and, and it's because I'm so humble Really? Could I get a second opinion on that? Because, you know, I mean, I've got a few areas that, you know, you could really use some humility, right? But, uh, and so, uh, and, you know, if that's the case, tell me your revelation. What have you got that's so, that's so amazing in your revelation that, uh, that, that you need a thorn in the flesh to hinder you from being exalted? What revelation do you know? Well, you know, God puts sickness and disease, disease on you. That's not revelation. That's the opposite of revelation, right? That's a lie. That's not even true. Uh, and so and what, what great revelation do you have that's so amazing, so spectacular, that it's, it's important for the devil to keep that hidden? Uh, and then, and once you tell me that, then I can tell you whether or not you really have a thorn in the flesh. Amen? It's probably just flesh. Not a thorn in the flesh. It's probably just flesh, right? And so, uh, you know, we can deal with that some other time. So, uh, I don't know, know we've dealt with that, and, and we didn't go through all the references, but if you go through all the references there in the Old Covenant, and you, when you find out about 
uh, the thorn in the flesh, you'll see that it was never, never, ever, not a single case of any kind of sickness or disease. It was always people, and it was always persecution. Well, did the Lord say that, that we would have persecution because of the word? Sure. So the more word you know, the more persecution is going to come into your life. And the more word you know, hopefully the more revelation of that word that you have, and, and people will start taking notice. Because the, the church needs people with revelation. Amen? The, the church is full of people with information, but the church needs people with revelation. Now, information is boring. Amen? Information is, uh, I can name the entire lineage of the kings of Judah. Wow, that's super impressive. I can't do anything with that, though, right? I can't, I can't get healed by that. I can't get saved by that. Uh, and so, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of uh, Brother Randy calls it the informational church. Uh, and um, we need a revelation church. Amen. We need the, the church to be full of revelation and not information. Uh, and uh, whenever we strive for information, then we, we uh, uh, information and revelation are, uh, are uh, powers that are in direct opposite of each other. They're, they, they contradict each other because information does not want any revelation. Uh, because revelation will always dispel uh, your intellect. And when it says that God is good, see, that's revelation. <clears throat> and, and, well, you know, we can't have that, right? So, praise God, the Lord is good, amen. The Lord, the Lord wanted and needed to exalt Paul, and he did. He successfully exalted Paul. The world knows the name of Paul the Apostle. Most of the church, uh, and, and, and I would suspect the majority of the world, has never heard of the Apostle Barnabas. Amen. And again, I'm not mad at Barnabas, you know. I mean, he, Barnabas helped get Paul into the church, right? Because Barnabas uh, was, uh, uh, had a great reputation, and he, he would introduce Paul. Well, he's with me. Oh, he's with Barnabas? Well, it's okay, right? And so, you know, Barnabas had a big part to play in the initial ministry of Paul the Apostle, but Paul did his job and pursued the Lord and was really elevated above Barnabas in that sense. Uh, and, uh, you know, then they had that falling out there, and, and so it's, it's unfortunate that that happens. But, you know, that was, nothing's changed in the world. Is there still conflict in the church? Do people still get mad at each other in a church? Even good people, right? Barnabas was a good fella, and, and Paul was a good fella. <clears throat> but they had a fallen out. And, and, uh, uh, and you can tell by the fruit of who, who was on the right side of history. Amen. <laughs> and so uh, I'm sure Paul and Barnabas are made up now in heaven. I hope when we get to heaven that, you know, Barnabas isn't way over here and Paul's way over there. They go to the same church, but they won't talk to each other, right? And so, well, I'm not talking to him. Don't, you know, don't you go to the same church? Yeah, but, you know, we don't like him over there. He's over there and he's in those pews, right? And so let's turn back to, to Acts chapter 3 here. Uh, and there's a couple other things we wanted to just uh, discuss here uh, in Acts chapter 3. And so we had talked about uh, this particular case here where Peter and John had gone up to uh, the temple, right, at the, at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And, and so at this point in time, they were still going to the temple. Eventually, the Jews just threw all the Christians out, right? They just, it doesn't matter if you're a Jewish heritage or not, you know, we, we just don't want you. And of course, they destroyed uh, Jerusalem in 70 AD, and that kind of scattered. And really, at that point, 70 AD is kind of when the church and the, the Jewish nation really parted ways. You know, there was a, a time in history where you know, there, there was a possibility that the Jewish nation would do their job and, and go on into Christianity because that was always the plan of God, that the, 
all of the, all of the early evangelists were Jewish. All of the, the writers of the Word of God, I think, right? All of the writers of the Word of God were Jewish people. There were no Gentile writers of the Word of God, of the, especially the Old Covenant, but even the New Covenant. Uh, they were all, let's see, uh, um, was Luke, Luke was a, yeah, Luke was a Jew. Yeah, so uh, they were all, all Jewish people. It was always the intent of the Lord that the Jewish nation just kept right on going. They were, they were the carriers of the oracles of God, of the Old Covenant. They were supposed to continue in that and become the carriers of the oracles of God, of the New Covenant, and shift and change uh, with, with the growth of the knowledge of Revelation that we came because all the revelation of the, old, of the new covenant comes from the foundation of the old covenant. All the blood of Jesus goes back to the sacrificial system. Understanding why that was that, that way in the old covenant helps us to be informed of what the new covenant tells us. And so it's always the plan of God that, that the Jewish nation became a Christian nation. <clears throat> they couldn't do it. Some, some people, when, when revelation comes, they cannot go, they cannot take the new revelation. It comes into their life, and they look at it and go, I, I, can't, I can't cross that bridge. That's too much. God is good. I, I can't get there. God wants to heal me. I, I see what you're saying. I, I, can't, I can't get there. And they're just like the Jews. They'll, they're stuck in their knowledge. They're stuck in, in their information, and they can't receive the revelation. Uh, we, we should always be willing. You know, you know, the way that I always say it is, is, everything that I believe, I believe it to be 100% correct. Well, you're really arrogant. Well, I mean, <clears throat> how else can you have faith? I mean, if you, if God's a healer. I believe that to be 100% correct. Okay, then that means I can have faith that God's going to heal me. If I believe that God's a healer, but yeah, maybe sometimes, maybe not, well, then what, how can I have faith in that? I, I might be wrong. I, think it's, I, I suspect that's true, but I could be wrong. Well, how can I have faith in that? There's no faith... In that, right, there's no, faith begins where the will of God is known. Do you know it to be the will of God that he's our healer? You know, and so I have to believe that everything that I believe is 100% correct. But I also live from the standpoint that if I get more revelation that corrects or changes or adjusts something that I believe, then I'm willing to, to change and go with a new revelation. And, and we need to live that way. We need to live with a humble heart that the Lord, when he reveals things to us, we change what we believe to line up with what the new revelation is. Now, I'm not talking about new doctrine. There's no new doctrine, but there's new revelation of what's already in the Word of God. <clears throat> you know, you look at, uh, I was looking at just some, some writings from 100 years ago. Let's see, it was, uh, well, uh, yeah, more than 100 years, about 150 years ago. And, you know, they were talking about uh, man is, is a two-part being, physical and spiritual. Well, I mean, that was 150 years ago. We know more information than it now. We now know that man is really three parts, spirit, soul, and body. There is a difference between spirit and soul. 150 years ago, they didn't know that difference. And you think about how much revelation the church has obtained just in the last 100 years that has always been in the Word of God, right? 1 Thessalonians 5.23 has been there since the beginning, right? Since the beginning of the church, 1 Thessalonians 5.23, it says, I pray God your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless. Well, that's been in there since Paul wrote it thousands of years ago, and yet the church didn't get the revelation really till you know, 50, 60, 70 years ago, right? Really, Brother Hagin did a lot of that foundational work for the church, uh, but we didn't, we didn't have that revelation 100 years ago. Now, this was a book about healing. This is a book, and we may use this book. I'm reading it to see if it's a book we want to look at. It's a book about revelation of healing, but they didn't have all the revelation. So if I went back in time and told this fella, you know, a well-known, a well-known author, 
uh, at that time, if I went and said, actually, it's not just two, we're three parts. We're spirit, soul, and body. Would he have been willing to accept that? I don't know. I don't know who the fellow, right? So I don't know the answer to that question. But that's revelation that we have today. That Well, that's not new doctrine. That's been there since the beginning. Amen. It's not new, anything new. We're just looking at it and understanding, oh, well, that's what that means. That's revelation. <clears throat> and so, so the, uh, revelation, we should believe that everything we believe is 100% correct until we get more revelation. Uh, now, we, we shouldn't just ignore everything. Well, I already believe what I believe. You know, I'm, I'm willing to listen to anything. But if you come up and say something obviously unscriptural, like God doesn't heal, well, that's demonstrably not true, right? I mean, I can give you 100 scriptures. Actually, if you go back to our book, there's 450 scriptures there or so that says that God's our healer. So I'm not going to believe your, your statement that God's not our healer when I've got the, uh, the mouth of two or three witnesses, the mouth of two or three hundred witnesses that tells me different. Amen? But some things that we don't know today, what, what don't we know today? Well, if you knew what you don't know today, you would know it, right? And so uh, that's the whole point of Revelation. <clears throat> so uh, here's a list of things you don't know. Okay, now I know them. Um, so here uh, in... in um, Back in Acts chapter 3, so Peter's going up to the, to the temple. Again, they were still doing that, right, until they got thrown out. And, and they saw the man, right, and then he fastened his eyes upon him. You know, it, uh, the, the man fastened his eyes upon, uh, well, verse 4, and Peter fastened his eyes upon him. So Peter looked at him and with John said, look on us. So that doesn't sound like a very humble thing to say. Look at me. <clears throat> and yet, uh, what, did, what, did, um, what did Peter say? Peter said, uh, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. I've got what you need. Anything wrong with saying that? And you know, I've got no problem saying that. You know, I tell everybody, I, I can help anybody. You've got the, mo- the worst problem in your life, I can help you get out of it. Uh, you got, you, you're full of devils, you know, I can help you. You're full of sickness, you know, I can help you. Yeah, no problem. Well, what are you going to do about it? Well, personally, I'm not going to do anything about it. But let me introduce you to the Lord Jesus. And he can get you out of anything. I know that he can. And so that's how I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you by pointing you to the Lord Jesus. I'm going to show you how the Lord Jesus healed you. I'm going to show you and tell you from the word of God how he delivered you. I'm going to show you and tell you how he's uh, set your eternal destiny in heaven. That's what I'm going to do for you. Because that's what we need. That's the church. That's our job as a church is to go and say, I can help you. And sometimes we always fake... Uh, humility, oh, there's nothing I can do to help you. Right? Just me and myself, I can't, there's nothing I can do. That is not true. I know the word of God. I can help anybody. And you can too. Not because I'm special. You, do you know the word of God? Do you know that Jesus heals? If you know that, then you can help anybody. Amen? You have no inherent power. You're not deity. You're not to be worshipped or to be exalted. <clears throat> but you have the ability to help people. Amen? So Peter said that. Was, was Peter being unhumble? He was being prideful, wasn't he? No. He says, I, you, you, need a, you need something? I've got what you need. And he'd be like, you know, Guido in the back alley, yeah, I've got it. Come here. I've got what you need. Come here. Uh, you know, you don't have to be like that. Uh, but that's what Peter said. I don't, have, I don't have silver and gold. And see, Revelation told Peter, you don't really need, you're begging, but that's not really what you need. Amen? What you really need is to be able to, to get money on your own. Now, there, there'll be some people like, nah, I just want, I just want, I just want a handout. You know, there's be some people, hey, no, you're crippled you're, and you're begging. I, I can get you healed to the power of God. <clears throat> people like, 
yeah, then I have to go to work, and nah, I don't think so, you know. <clears throat> I mean, you know, there, there, I can guarantee you there are some people, in fact, I remember I, I worked with a lady one time, I say lady, uh, we were, she was still in high school, right, so we were in high school, and she's like, I can't wait to get on disability. I can sit at home, get a check. I mean, that was her, like, that's your career goal, was to get on disability? How is it a career goal? I'm going to fight it every day, right? I'm going to fight it. Uh, and then, then I know Christians, <clears throat> of course, now we're really going to meddle here, right? I know Christians, I know this is going to be hard to believe. I know Christians who are on disability and will go work secretly without the government knowing them to get cash so, so they can stay on their disability. Like, well, you know, that's kind of illegal, right? That's like, that's wrong, right? To, to not actually be disabled because you can, if you can still work, that, that means you're not disabled. Now, I'm thankful for the mercy of the government, you know, that they provide resources to, to truly disabled. But a friend, a friend of mine says, I can't even talk to my mom anymore. Well, how come? She's on disability. Really? Well, that, that sounds like a terrible thing. What's, what's her disability? Her disability is she can't get along with people. That's a disability? That's a thing? You can do that? Where do you sign up for that, right? Is that a, well, you know, are you missing the leg? No, I just don't like to talk to people. Oh, well, here you go. Here's your check, right? And so, hey, look, I'm none, I'm none of my business. But when a Christian does that, you know, I've got a little concern there because, number one, you're disabled, so you, but you're not believing God to get healed. I mean, if, if, you're, if you're really disabled, fine, get a check, but believe God to get, to get healed so you don't have to be a disability anymore. Well, I don't want to do that. I'll, I'll not get my money. Aren't you better off being healed? You know, when I, when I was in high school, after, after my, my parents died, I was on... I was on Social Security because, you know, that, that, that's a thing, right? If you're a minor and your parents are on, on, on Social Security and they die, you get to collect Social Security until you're an adult. And, and it used to be uh, until uh, President Reagan got in, if you went through college, you'd get, you'd get Social Security even through college. Well, he cut that off. You, you had to quit when you was 18 or graduate high school. And so, so I, I mean, up to that point, you know, I'm, I'm let's see, well, that was when I was uh, 15. So I'm in ninth grade, going to 10th grade. So I go to 10th grade, I'm, start, I'm on Social Security. I'm the youngest Social Security recipient in the school, right? Uh, and so, uh, but I'm collecting uh, $305 a month. It got all the way to like $415 a month, right? I mean, for a child that had nothing growing up, like $0 growing up, getting $300 a month was like, I was like super rich, right? I'm buying yachts and cars, right? And all kinds of stuff. And so, so I went to the guidance counselor See, I was poor all, all my life growing up. I was, we were always on, on the free, free lunch program, right? If you go, to, you go to, once a week, you go to the guidance counselor, she'd hand you the five lunch tickets because you got free lunch. And, then, you go, and you're, then you're like everybody else. You go to lunch, oh, yeah, I got a, I got a meal ticket just like you do, right? But mine came from the, from the lady in the office. And you had to buy yours, you know, <clears throat> like a loser, right? And I got, I got mine for free. Uh, but after I started collecting that check, I, I went and said, hey, I've got all kinds of money. I don't need to, I don't I have to buy my own lunch now. And she said, well, you don't have to do that. You're still eligible because, you know, you're, you're a, a poor orphan, which I was, right? <clears throat> you're still eligible to get it. You don't have to pay for that. I said, well, no, I, I, I got money. I can pay. I'm fine. And she thought it was the oddest thing that I paid for my own lunch the rest of my high school because, well, I got money. I, you know, I don't need, you know, I'm, I'm thankful for that. I wasn't like rude about it, but I'm like, I'm, I'm buying my own lunch, and so now some people are like, "Sweet, I never, I just, I just give me the free stuff," you know. <clears throat> and you know, you, you've got to have an attitude. You got to fight it every day, amen. 
you, you don't want to, your goal shouldn't be like, I gotta, I'm trying to get to where I never, you know, have to work again the rest of my life. In fact, I'll tell you, uh, uh, you know, we'll just go with this right now, for now. <clears throat> uh, we were, uh, one of the houses we had, we, we were trying to get it paid off and get out of debt. And, um, <clears throat> and it was going slower than I thought. Well, Lord, you know, we're making good money and I want to get this house paid off. And so, you know, you've you got to be careful asking the Lord questions because he's going to answer you, right? And so, and so I went to the Lord and said, Lord, you know, why, why are we not getting this house paid off as quickly as I would like it to be paid off? Uh, and, you know, <clears throat> he, he, said, he said, well, the reason why uh, I'm not helping you get that house paid off is because you know, your goal is to get the house paid off so you don't have to live by faith. Because, you know, you know, now see, it's not like I wrote this down. I'm going to get my house paid off and never believe God ever again. It's not like it's a plan, right? But in your mind, you know, you, you kind of go over those scenarios and, well, if I get my house paid off, then I won't have any debt. And then, you know, I don't really have to believe God for any finances because I have no debt, right? So I just, you know, then all my money, I do whatever I want to with it. So I don't have to believe God for any more finances. And he said, I can't, I can't bless that. I can't bless your goal to get out of faith. And so, <clears throat> well, you're wrong, Lord. I don't think that way. You, that's a foolish statement, right? You should never tell the Lord that he's wrong. Well, Lord, I, I, don't, I don't believe that. I don't, I'm not that way. <laughs> but you are that way, amen? Or I was that way. And so I said, yes, Lord. Yes, sir. How do I change that? Uh, and, you know, th does the Lord care that you get out of debt? He'd be glad for you to get out of debt. But if your goal is to get out of debt so you don't have to live by faith, he can't hook, that, hook up with that, Amen. Because it's not really faith, it's, it's presumption and it's really pride is, is what it is. Uh, and so I just changed and then we got, we got the house paid off, got out of debt. Uh, and so it was like a supernatural, you hear the people talking about supernatural debt, uh, uh, was it supernatural debt? Cancellation. Debt cancellation, yeah, that's it right there. You know, there's no Bible for that. I mean, we're thankful if that ever happens, but there's no Bible. You can't believe God for the supernatural debt, uh, debt cancellation because didn't you sign up for the debt to begin with? If you signed up for the debt, I mean, you, you got it, and you, you know, I know the Lord can get you out of it, but there's no Bible for supernatural debt cancellation. Now, people say, if you give me money, I, you know, you'll get a supernatural debt cancellation. That, that is snake oil. Be careful about things like that, amen? The Lord will help you, prosper you, but you have to do your part. If you went down and got a, into a gazillion dollars worth of debt, he's not going to just magically wave his hand because... You've got to, first of all, fix your own heart about why did you get in that debt to begin with. Why are you in that debt? Well, I wanted everything I saw. Okay, well, that's the problem, right? Uh, John Osteen always said you can't have everything what? Beady eyes. <laughs> Beady little eyes. See, right? <laughs> and so, and that's the way a lot of the churches. I, I, well, <clears throat> why did you buy that? Because I saw it. Well, you know, that's not necessarily a good idea, right? And so, so okay, now you've bought everything you can see. And now you're in a, in a bunch of debt. Well, God's going to cancel all that debt. Well, you still got all that stuff, though. Maybe you should sell that stuff, right? I'm, none of my business. I don't care. You, you do whatever you want to, but you own whatever you want to. The Lord doesn't care. But if, if you're just prideful and envious and, and you want everything that everybody else has, well, then you've got to deal with that right, first. And then the Lord can help you get out. So be careful. because so, so much of the time when the church, we're always teaching that God is the lottery. One of these days, you just pull that lever, you know, and if you get three cherries, you know, you know, it's like, it's like, cherry, cherry. Oh, it's an apple. Wow, you know, so close. God almost came through like the lottery and he's going to wipe it all away. And I really don't have to do anything. It's all supernatural and it's all awesome. 
That is such a snake oil stuff that we, we preach to people to, to get them to give more. You know, it's, if, if I've got to manipulate you to give, that is the worst, that is the worst thing I could possibly do because the only one that is better off than that is me. You're not any better off if I manipulate money out of your pocket. Only I am. And it, it's terrible, amen? And if we would go back to wisdom, get some wisdom and understand how to handle your finances, how to give appropriately, how to give by faith, then you can get out of debt uh, and, and live a, a life that's free from those things. But you also have to make sure that, uh, ask the question, well, how did you get in debt begin, to begin with? Why are, you in, why are you in debt like that? You know, and I've talked to a lot of people over the years and look at their finances like, what? That's a mess. You've got, you got other things to deal with, amen, besides that. Now, I don't know why we're on that particular thing there, but, but <clears throat> the Lord is good, amen? So Peter and John went down there, and Peter said, I, I can help you. Nothing wrong with the church saying, I can help you. You ought to walk around. You, uh, you know, uh, it's not an arrogant attitude, but I walk around uh, in thinking, all oh, you people in the world, you don't even know how good you've got it that I've arrived. I've got the power of God. I've got the name of Jesus. I've got the word of God. I can help all of you. I have, it's not an arrogant attitude. It's the attitude of God. God wants to help everybody. And he's, he's commissioned the church to be that, to, be, uh, to have that job. That's our job is to help the world get into the kingdom of heaven. And Peter said, I don't have silver and gold, but I do have what you really need. Amen. That's how we got on because the guy was disabled, right? And so <laughs> there's a long rabbit trail right there, right? And so uh, you reckon he was, di- he was disappointed? Man, I got to go back to work now. No, it says he was walking and leaping and praising God, right? He, he was the right guy to pick. Now, you know, the, he may have been his buddy sitting next to him. Yeah, he's never getting off, off, the, off, the, uh, off the ground there because he doesn't want to go back to work, amen? And so you got to find out your own motivations and, and, and do that, amen? Uh, and so press in, fight it every day. Uh, whatever it is, fight it every day. Lord, I, I'm not living this way. I'm not satisfied with mediocrity. I'm not satisfied with, yeah, I could go down and collect a free, free lunch from the, from the school, but Lord, you've prospered over here. I'm just going to buy my own lunch, amen? <clears throat> and then, uh, well, so, but you're out money. I wasn't out anything. I, I was a person of faith. If the Lord says, then I can buy my own lunch, then I'm buying my own lunch. Just because I've got a loophole that says I don't have to, I'm not using a loophole if it's going to decrease my faith. If it's going to hurt my faith, I'm not doing it. Well, it's easier. Well, yeah, lack of faith is always easier in the short term anyway, not in the long term. Uh, and so, so we'll come back uh, and look at some more of this next week because we didn't get anywhere that we wanted to today. Uh, but it was good. You know, I, I do appreciate the Lord showing us about um, Isaiah 53 and that, that he carried our pains. He carried your pains. You were not required to live in pain and agony all the days of your life. Amen. And, and if you ever think, well, I'm just older, you should shoot that thought in the head. Amen. Uh, not a person who says that. That would be unkind. Uh, but in your, own, in your own heart, if you ever think those thoughts or, or say those words, you, you need to bury those words and never say anything like that again. Amen. That is not true. The Lord desires and needs you to be well until your last breath on the earth so that you can accomplish all the things that he's called you to do in this earth. Amen. If you're in bed, you, you, are, you are unable to complete the Great Commission. Uh, and, and that's not, we're not trying to disparage anybody who is in that case, obviously, but they need to have the hope that, look, 
this is not my lot in life to bear. This is not what I'm required to do and, and live by. I don't have to live this way. The Lord needs me to not live this way. The Lord needs, he's put you in the earth for this purpose, to be a blessing to humanity, to advance the kingdom of heaven. That's why you're on this earth. Everything else is secondary. And the only way you can do that is if you are well enough to do that. If you are unable to physically do that, then, then even though the commission is there, the call is there, you are unable to com complete your call. So uh, you're unable to do that which you've been called to do. And the only thing you're going to get uh, measured for when you get to heaven is were you faithful to do the things I called you to do. And, uh, you know, if you say, well, Lord, I, I, I didn't feel good enough to do that. The Lord said, you know, I really wished I'd have sent some scriptures that said that by his stripes you were healed. I, I should have done that. Take a note. Gabriel, take a note. Let's make a Bible 2.0 and tell them that I'm their healer. No, he already told us that, didn't he? Amen. So, you know, a lot of times people will try to use excuses for saying why they can't do it. And again, it's not to, to harm people or to, to disparage people at all, but you need to have the hope that I don't have to live this way. I don't have to live under this oppression, under this physical sickness and disease, even just aches and pains. He carried our pains. Is that what it says? I don't, did you write it? I didn't write it. The Lord wrote it. He prophesied it thousands of years before Jesus came. Then, then he fulfilled that, that promise in, in Matthew 8, 17, and then he codified it in, in 2 Peter 2, 24, by his stripes you were healed. And so he covered it for thousands of years, and now we get to live by his stripes you were healed. And yet that revelation that by his stripes you were healed is pretty new in the church, right? I mean, that, uh, it's been there since the beginning, but the, the knowledge of that, much of the church, even much of the Pentecostal church, is, well, you know, sometimes God needs you to be sick, you know, to teach you, to teach you things, right? He didn't, I can just read, a, read the book and be taught things. I don't have to be sick to, to learn anything, amen? You know, did you ever go to school, you know, in fourth grade? Uh, well, come in here. We're going to break everybody's kneecap. That'll teach you. We've got, a, we got a, a learning class today. We're going to break everybody's kneecap. That's how we're going to teach you things. Anybody going to sign up for that? Yeah, sign me up for that one. Nobody's going to do that, right? Because it's not, it's not scriptural. Uh, and so let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So, Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you, Father, that we have a right and privilege to be healed, to remain free from sickness and disease all the days of our life, free from pains and agonies. <clears throat> Father, we can live without pain in our joints, in our muscles, Father, in every aspect of our body. We have a, a right to live free from that sickness and disease in the name of Jesus. You declared it to be so. You prophesied it to be so. And so, Father, we choose to believe that it is so. Uh, and we choose to believe that way all the days of our life. Uh, so that we can, be, uh, uh, we can be available to do the Master's bidding while we're on the earth. And so we thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Well, let's get ready to receive this afternoon's offering. Amen. Amen. If you get really big today, you know, we'll have supernatural debt cancellation. Amen. No, you're not going to get any of that stuff. You know, if you're going to give, the Lord will bless you as He sees fit. Amen. <clears throat> and the rest of it, I'll leave with Him. Amen. If you have... If you've got supernatural debt, you probably need some supernatural counseling is what you need, right? And so <laughs> that, that's another whole discussion, right? So come ahead, Mr. Jared. And um, um, anyway, we could, we could meddle a whole lot in that area there. But um, um, God is not a, he's not a lottery, amen? Um, you know, that, that, that's the thing that church, so often we, we've tried to get people to believe that God's like the lottery. Just one of these days your ship's just going to come in and just bam, you're going to be a millionaire, right? Uh, and, you know, that's really not the way it works. Uh, it's just, 
You don't see that in the Word of God, where it was just overnight, right? I mean, Abraham was very rich, but how did he get there? It's over many years of him being diligent to serve the Lord. Amen? It didn't just happen. Nobody just gave him thousands of cattle and sheep, right, and oxen. He, he grew those over a long period of time, right? He, he, the Lord prospered him in those things. And so um, there's just there's, there's a lot of uh, foolishness that goes on in the church, amen, with the goal of getting a dollar out of your pocket. <clears throat> I don't need your dollar. The Lord needs you to be uh, diligent in whatever he's called you to do. Amen. So be blessed. Uh, don't forget, Wednesday we have the special guest ministers here with us. Uh, Larry, Angela, Keaton, they're over in North Carolina today. They'll be with us here on Wednesday. And, and uh, you'll enjoy their ministry. They'll be here at a regular time, 7 p.m. And so uh, be blessed. Have a wonderful week in the Lord, and you're dismissed.